Chapter Two of Mag and Margaret: A Story for Girls by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: Ethel. By eleven o'clock, the twenty errands and a hundred others were done, and Mag was ready for her Christmas. She had a delightful plan for the day. She had heard by accident that every boarder was going out to dinner. Surely this would make a great difference with the work. Only Mrs. Perkins and her daughters at dinner by three o'clock at the latest possibly if she was very smart before that time she could get away and go down to the lovely lake where the skaters went and watch them fly over the ice in the way she had heard about mag had never seen anybody skate her life had been spent in a city but this lovely artificial lake where fine ladies went could not be more than two miles from mrs perkins's house and she was sure she could walk that distance for the sake of seeing the beautiful sight why they actually built a bonfire on the shore and skated by the light of it and had hot coffee and chocolate and candies for the skaters to eat it must be such fun mag's heart had been set on her plan for weeks alas for her mrs perkins had other plans have you finished the upstairs work mag and dusted the parlors very well then you are through with work i am going to give you a holiday not many girls have almost the whole of Christmas Day to amuse themselves in. My daughters and I are going to our old neighbors on Claremont Street to dinner, and as the girls are going to the lake afterwards to skate, we shall not be home until evening. None of the boarders will be back to tea. I have given Nora and the others the rest of the day. They are going out. So you will have the whole house to yourself. See how I trust you. And I'm not going to give you a bit of work because it is Christmas. All you will have to do is sit in the nice warm hall and answer the doorbell, and toward night open the furnace dampers so that the house will be warm, and have the tea kettle boiled so you can make us a cup of tea when we get home. Your dinner Nora has fixed already for you in the closet, a nice Christmas dinner. There is some cold chicken and biscuits and a dish of cranberry sauce and a piece of mince pie. Don't you wish the poor little street girls could have so good a Christmas dinner as that? Yes, ma'am said mag but her face was grave and her voice low and almost trembling could it be that mag was ungrateful enough to be almost ready to cry oh you didn't know how her heart ached and how long that christmas day suddenly seemed to her to grow alone in that great big house all day long and to sit in the hall which was always dark and do nothing from morning until night not even the thought of the mince pie and cranberry sauce could make such a prospect pleasant she would rather go without a mouthful of dinner if she could but put on her coat and hood and skip away to see the skaters but there would be no getting away now mind mrs perkins said that you don't leave the house for a single minute there is a message of very great importance that i expect to have brought to-day and in any case i don't care about having the house left alone it isn't safe it isn't every little girl i would trust but i know you are to be depended upon this was a crumb of comfort. It had a pleasant sound to Mag. Mrs. Perkins was such a busy woman that she did not often take time to say merely pleasant words. "'Mag looks very sober,' Kate Perkins said, as they were going down the steps a few minutes afterwards. "'It is lonesome work, I suppose, to stay there all day long with nothing to do. I should die of stupidity.' "'So should I,' said her older sister. 
mother i think it would have been kinder to her to have given her some sewing to do or work of some sort it will be awfully dull business to sit and fold one's hands and wait for the doorbell to ring i had nothing ready for her said mrs perkins she stopped however on the lower step and seemed to be considering something i might let her sit in the back parlor she said doubtfully she doesn't meddle with things at least that i have ever discovered and there isn't anything there that she could hurt i think you might let her sit in the front parlor said kate and watch the sleighs go by that would be some comfort well said mrs perkins i will she stepped back and rang the bell mag answered it at once surprised to have a caller so soon she was hurriedly brushing away the trace of a tear mrs perkins noticed it and was glad she had come back you may sit in the front parlor to-day if you want to she said kindly there are plenty of people passing to look at you may throw open the south window blinds and that will give you a good view don't sit in the yellow covered chair it soils so easily but you may draw the big willow rocker to the window and have a nice time in it mag's face brightened thank you ma'am she said speaking almost cheerfully and mrs perkins went away with a lighter heart to sit in the front parlor in one of the great rockers was a rare experience to mag once when she had been dusting that room she had dropped for a single frightened minute into one of the big upholstered chairs to see how it would feel and that very minute mrs perkins had opened the door and asked her sharply if she expected to earn her board and clothes by sitting in easy chairs since that time mag had not tried them she had always the feeling that mrs perkins stood with her hand on the door and at any second might appear to chide her what a thing it would be to sit in the parlor for almost a whole day not to sit there guiltily feeling that she was doing something wrong but to be there by permission i do not think mrs perkins had the least idea how much difference this small thing would make to her little maid meg was really so cheery that she broke into a little fragment of song as she climbed the stairs to her own room she was going after her christmas present it lay wrapped in a bit of clean paper carefully tucked under the old quilt that covered her cot she had meant to take her chances at peeping through it at different times during this christmas day she could not look long at a time because the room was so bitterly cold but now she remembered gleefully that she had a lovely parlor all to herself and could sit in an easy chair like any lady and rock and read how delightful wasn't it almost better than to go even to the lake and watch the skaters she gathered the treasure close to her heart and ran down three flights of stairs still humming the snatch of a song that she had caught from miss kate how beautiful the parlor looked mag who had never been in any other thought that there could not be a finer one in reality it was simply a large boarding-house parlor with the usual number of upholstered chairs a sofa and two or three tables to mag it seemed magnificent the carpet a good respectable body brussels she thought the loveliest thing that feet ever trod drawing the large willow rocker to the south window she threw open the blinds and nestled into the chair with a little chuckle of satisfaction it was the nicest christmas day she had ever known how splendid it was in mrs perkins to let her sit in this elegant parlor then she opened her book little pillows what a queer name could it be about pillows 
Mag had a very little one on which to rest her head at night. She could not imagine anything very interesting to be said about it. Still, there must be something, else a whole book of this kind would never have been written. Behold, it was a story. How delightfully it began! A little girl was away from home on a week's visit. That was the first sentence. For a little girl to have a home of her own was to Meg the most blessed of ideas. She wondered how the little girl could bear to leave it, even to make a visit. And she went to see an auntie besides. Meg's experience with aunties had not led her to think this a desirable thing, but undoubtedly there was a difference in aunties. This one tucked the little girl into bed and kissed her good night. And then she said, Now I will give you a little pillow. How funny! After that Meg became absorbed. She read slowly through the description of these peculiar pillows. After completing the chapter, she began it again and read more slowly still, stopping at the end of every sentence to take in the wonder of it. It appeared that the pillows were not made of feathers, nor yet of excelsior like hers. They were made of words. A little word pillow to be read every night at bedtime, to be read before she, quote, knelt down to say her prayers, end quote. This sentence required long thinking. Mag said no prayers. Once, when she was a very little girl, she had been taught a prayer. It began with, Now I lay me down to sleep. But she had not said it in ever so long. She was always so tired at night, and it was generally very cold or else very warm, and saying over those words had never seemed to her to be interesting, so she had dropped them. But she might commence again. She sat long trying to recall the exact words, and felt sure at last that she had them all. But she must wait until night to read her first pillow. That seemed hard to Mag. She would rather have read it then, sitting so cosily in her easy chair. But such a habit had she of doing exactly as she was told, what a grand habit that is, by the way, that it did not so much as occur to her to do differently now. She would wait until night. She read the story over again with which the book began, read it until she felt as though she knew the little Ethel for whom the book was written, and the wonderful auntie who had written it. "'I wish I did know her,' she said aloud. "'I wish she was my friend and would come to visit me. I wonder where she lives. I mean to play that she has come to spend the day with me. How do you do, Ethel? You can't think how glad I am to see you. Take a seat in the yellow chair.' It can't be wrong to have a play-girl sit in the yellow chair. This was Meg's afterthought. She considered it carefully, and decided that it could do no harm. The idea of having a friend visit her took such possession of this lonely little girl's heart that she kept it with her all day. Persistently she talked to Ethel. When she went downstairs to eat her Christmas dinner, Ethel went along, and had a generous share of the chicken and biscuit and the whole of the mince pie. She came back with her to the parlor, and was settled again in the yellow chair. When any unusually gay sleigh-load passed the window, Meg would exclaim, "'Oh, Ethel, did you see those perfectly sweet scarlet robes? Weren't they just lovely?' About four o'clock the bell rang. Meg hastened to answer it. Behold, it was her one acquaintance, Janie Jones, whose father kept the fruit-stand where Meg often went with orders.' Janie and she had nodded and smiled at each other for several months, and had had bits of talk together occasionally. 
not often for janey went to school and was only occasionally at her father's stand oh mag she said i'm so glad you are here father is going to take me a sleigh ride out to the lake he has a delivery sleigh and he said i might have you go along hurry real fast for father has got to be back in an hour oh my said mag and oh dear i can't i'm all alone and i mustn't leave the house lock it up said janey we'll be back in an hour but mag resolutely shook her head she had not even a thought of doing such a thing had not mrs perkins said she could trust her janey hurried away and mag went back to her rocking-chair with a sober face if ethel had not been there she would have cried outright no such lovely chance had ever before come to her the next bell was the basement one nora was the first to reach home mag's long lonely day was over but she went back to the parlor she had been in the midst of an interesting conversation with ethel presently nora toiled up the stairs carrying certain christmas gifts that had come to her to her own room the front stairs were much easier to climb than the back ones and since there was no one in the house nora chose them opposite the parlor door she stopped in astonishment mag's voice could be distinctly heard in eager conversation with somebody well i never said nora i wonder what the missus will say to that when she came downstairs she boldly threw open the parlor door there sat mag alone well young lady she said has your company gone yes said mag with a foolish little laugh she has gone she sat in that chair nora she has been here all day at that moment the basement bell rang and nora vanished an hour later she thought of mag's visitor mrs perkins had just arrived and was giving directions did you give meg leave to sit in the parlor ma'am and have company have company repeated mrs perkins aghast what company i don't know ma'am some girl who has been here all day she says sitting in the yellow chair i heard them talking like everything but i had my hands full and when i emptied them and came back the girl was gone said mrs perkins well of all things in this world i did not think she knew a girl in this city whom can one trust then she summoned mag and said this bewildering sentence mag you may go upstairs to your room and go to bed don't let me see or hear of you to-night you will have no supper if i had time to attend to you i would do it this minute but my hands are too full i am more ashamed and disappointed in you than i can tell after i had been so kind to you too go out of my sight End of chapter two